grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, it's entirely possible that that some of you, like myself, have had people just kind of come up out of the woodwork and, and say to you, what in the world are you folks doing? You know, not to, not to over-exaggerate um, things as is easy to do, but an individual actually said to me, by holding services there, continuing to do so, continuing to hold services there, you are... Well, not, not quite a no-brained idiot. But no, the, the person said, you lack common sense. Okay. And maybe something similar happened to you this week. Maybe even coming from a family member. Maybe even your own children said to you, don't go to that place. You lack common sense. Change your ways. So, uh, dear friends, I, I feel like you know it's in part then my responsibility to you know affirm your decision for uh, being here today because you know we we all face surprises like that, don't we? It's, it's not very often in my ministry that I'm just out out in on the the public in the community and and someone just kind of comes up and makes a comment like that to me. Usually people are like, oh, it's the pastor, you know. Oh, I better not swear, you know, while, while the pastor's around. I'll, I'll change, you know, my language. It, it, it's very rare to be confronted in such a way. And so, you know, for you, you probably experience that. Or maybe you will. And so you say, well, you know, what can I say? I think maybe the first thing that comes to mind is, is the church essential? I mean, that that maybe is my pet peeve through this time, is, you know, we have governing authorities that say, we we must close the non-essential places. Only the essential places can remain open. And it seemed like for half the pastors, uh, you know, in, in our state at least, they said, oh, well, we're not essential. Oh, let's close the ports. That's something that's kind of bugging me. Because really, the, the church is essential, isn't it? And an example comes to, to my mind when I was serving over in uh, North Dakota. Um, it, it, it's not really a, a very good story about you know, instilling public confidence or, or whatever, but the, the actual case happened. Um, An individual in my congregation got his third DUI. It was a, a time in North Dakota's history where you were supposed to automatically go to jail if you got your third DUI. But he had some friends in government and, and they interceded for him. And he just had to wear a little ankle thing and so he could go to work and he could go home and part of his probation was because they, they said, you know, he's such a great guy and such a good church-going person, 
that he had to come to church on Sunday morning. That's maybe not often in our land anymore, but yeah, it still happens over in North Dakota where a judge would say to an individual, you must be present in church on Sunday morning as part of your probation. You see, for that man, in that particular time, it was essential that he would attend worship services. And I believe there's still many states that are like that within our nation where church would be considered essential. You know, you think about what often happens at a, a parole hearing. The, the parolee, a person about to get out of jail, he appears before a board. And what does that, that man often argue still to this day? He argues, I have been saved. The chaplain in the prison brought me a Bible. I am a different person. You can trust me out in the community now because I have changed. Jesus made me a new person. Now, now certainly you and I know that the, you know, in terms of, of the system, an individual can just say those words in order to try to get out of jail. And yeah, it's probably uh, possible that a, a number of people will make that argument falsely just to be released from prison. But isn't it curious that that still exists in our society? If a person is going to lie, they're going to lie about being a Christian so they can get out of jail. That still is happening today. And why is that? It's because we as a nation have experienced that to be true at times, haven't we? That Jesus Christ comes into a person's life and so changes them that they are different. That they react differently. That now they can control their anger. They can control uh, their, their tendencies to do what's wrong. They have really become better people because of Christ. We've seen enough of the evidence of the truth of that that, well, yes, sometimes we can be conned. Yes, sometimes people can use that is a, a fake argument to try to get out of prison, but still, we find it today. We ask the question again, is the church essential? The Bible says that the only way we can come to know Christ is by hearing the word. Now, you know, we, we might argue, well, the, the word can be going forth through video, the word can be going forth through, through radio, you know, the, the pastor has his little recorder up there, and, you know, I can listen to his sermon later on in the week, but really, isn't there even more? Because it's the fellowship, isn't it? You see, our Lord didn't just say, hey, you know, 
hide around the, the corner somewhere and make sure you can hear the sermon on Sunday. He didn't just say, hey, you know, buy Paul some extra paper so he can write that out a, a bunch of times and, and send it around. He said, assemble together. Assembly together is a little bit harder, isn't it? Now, we, we have kind of a smaller congregation, but, you know, imagine a, a larger congregation. Maybe that person sitting next to you smells. You know, they didn't put on any donor at this morning. And, yeah, you, 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 you walked in the door, and, and, and that person said, you know, I, I don't think you're very smart. Maybe there were actual you know, sins in our life and someone called us out on them. They said, well, yeah, I, saw, I know where you were last night, fella. Yeah. We didn't like that so well. But by assembling together, by coming together in Christ, you know, our, our rough edges are, are kind of smoothed over, aren't they? And our obnoxious personality maybe we had to become less obnoxious and we, we begin to care about our friends and neighbors and, and you know to experience that care takes a, a little bit more than a Facebook post. So that right then that I actually met with you face to face and I express my uh, appreciation or, or I express my sorrow over uh, some loss that you have. Right? That, that kind of a presence. Not, not just, you know, I, I, I did some little little thing on Facebook and said, oh, hey, hi, how are you? It's that coming together. No, last night I, I got a, an email from the president of our, our synod, and I have to admit, I kind of you know, had, had fear and trembling when I opened that. It was like, you know what, what is the president of the synod, what, what is he going to say in this email? And it, it was more kind of a, a technical email, but, but you know, basically what the, the president of our synod is saying is that you, you can't consecrate the elements online. You know, you, you think about that. You know, what, what, what could our, our church be doing right now? You know, we'd be just going to close the doors and I just kind of give a, a, a live stream sermon presentation and then when we get to the, the part about the Lord's Supper, you know, we could have a, a, a little cup delivered to your house and it could have the wine in it and it could be double sealed for your protection even. And I, I could stand there in front of the camera and I could say the words of institution and you could peel off the little seal, you know, and, and you could take communion at home. Right? We have the technology to do that. And the president of our, our synod, you know, he, he wrote emails to everyone and he said, don't consecrate the elements online. Just don't do it. If people want to take communion, they need to come to the church. If people want to have the Lord's Supper, it has to be within 
the sanctuary. Now, certainly, I can, I can still go out and, and visit you know, people in, in their homes, in the nursing homes, in the shut-ins, and, and certainly I can give private communion um, you know, to individuals. But isn't it interesting what the, the president of Synod is saying is that communion needs to be served in the context of you know, that, that personal relationship. They're face-to-face. If you're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, you have to actually be there, assembled together. But dear friends, you know, church is essential. Now, sometimes people might, might be asking, you know, that, do we you know, have the right to meet together. Do, do we have that right? And as I, I answer that question, I, I think I'm going to start, you know, with the confessional seal. I, I don't know if you've thought much about the confessional seal, but, but that is the guarantee that, you know, if someone goes to their pastor to confess their sin, that that seal, right? You know, just like if you're in a relationship with your attorney, your lawyer, right, that you have that privileged communication, you know, you, you pay that person and now you tell them, you can share with them the, the absolute truth that, that maybe you don't want everybody else to know. In that very same way, you know, that you can go to your pastor, your priest, and you can confess your sin. The reason the seal exists is because then you would know that I'm not going to run around town and tell everybody else what's in your closet. If that didn't exist, who would ever tell the pastor, the priest, anything real? You know, you, you, you might share, oh, oh, Pastor, I had this thought this week, you know. And, you know, it helped me with my thought life. But if anything had ever gone terribly wrong, how could you share that if the seal didn't exist? In a, a sense, you know, that's part of the aspect that, that makes the church something Unique. You know, really, we're, we're in the sanctuary right now. The sanctuary is commonly known as a place of protection, a place where someone yet even fleeing from law enforcement could come to the sanctuary and be protected. Oh, I don't. You know, know what, what examples I could come up with for that. But, well, well, let's say a, a woman in the, the community, married to the sheriff, is being beaten by him. Her husband is the sheriff. He's the law enforcement representative. What in the world can she do? How can she find protection from her husband? Well, then, commonly... Right? She was, should be able to come to a sanctuary, a, a church, a place of protection where she then would 
be protected from law enforcement. You know, we, we, we see this more readily within the Roman Catholic Church because, you know, visibly we have the, the Vatican, right, in, in Italy, is a, a state unto itself. And so the, the Roman Catholic Church can easily argue that each of their sanctuaries are, in a sense, embassies of the Vatican. Right? They're not subject to the laws of the land in which they're located, but rather they are a state unto themselves. And, and of course, ultimately, that represents heaven, doesn't it? And so if we think about it, you know, logically within our, our minds, you know, we are citizens of heaven. The church that we, we own, that we operate, is an embassy. We are called to follow the law of God, the law of Christ. And now certainly we want to get along with the outside world, and certainly we don't want to be you know, constantly challenging the, the outside world, but within these walls, we are as supposed to be protected, you see. And we, we kind of notice that in, in little, you know, things here and there. You know, sometimes people say, well, why don't you folks have to pay taxes? I don't think that's fair that you don't have to pay taxes. No, why isn't your church paying taxes? It should just be like any other business. Well, the, the reason is that We don't have to pay taxes as a church to the state because we have that protection. We are different. We're unique. We are an embassy of God, in a sense. You know, just a, another little thing that we were able to, to put in our chairlift. You know, for commercial buildings, commercial buildings aren't supposed to have chairlifts, but we were able to put in the, the chairlifts that we wanted to put in instead of a big, you know, $80,000 elevator. Because, of, again, we have that special status. We are unique. We are that, that embassy. We are that place that, that can do the things that God calls us to do. We're unique. Now, again, if you're, you're wondering, you know, is it really okay for me to be here? Because you know, it, it feels kind of weird today, doesn't it? Are we essential? Are, are we having an illegal assembly today? Should, should I really have come out? My, my, my kids are, are worried about me. What, what, what am I doing? So we, we try to begin to, to answer some of those questions. That, that we are unique. We are, we are special. We are part of God's kingdom. It's hard, though, sometimes, isn't it? 
Now, yes, but within our culture, there, there's kind of that idea out there that if you would just kind of do things right, everything would be real smooth, you know. And for the original Christians, the original Christian teaching, it, it was always, you know, when you do things right, it's going to be hard. But it's worth it. See, that's kind of the difference, isn't it? You do things right, everything will be real easy, it'll be real smooth, everything will go your way. And God said in the Holy Scriptures, no, when you do things right, it's going to be hard. The gate is narrow that you enter through. The path is hard to climb to the higher road. People are going to come against you. You might even be martyred, as the ancient Christians were. A man's enemies will become those of his own household. Family members will be turned against one another. As you're trying to do things right, you're going to experience difficulty. You know, 2,000 years ago, you're trying to have a worship service and someone's calling the authorities and the Roman soldiers are, are storming in. They're getting ready to take you out to the Colosseum where you're going to be you know, killed by wild animals. And then here I am, you know, crying about somebody who told me that I didn't have common sense. Oh dear! What a comparison, right? 2,000 years ago, you're reading about my, my death probably in the newspaper. Instead of someone just making a, a little comment. So I'm gonna, gonna do something special for you folks that, that came out today. And yeah, it's kind of gruesome. It is it is grisly, but yeah, we're here in Lent. It was hard for Jesus, wasn't it? In fact, when Jesus hung upon the cross, we, we don't often think about it, but I got today. This is a, a replica of what they call the sphere of destiny. And I say that, that this is a, a replica of the sphere that pierced the sign of our Lord. I, I don't know if you've ever looked in, in magazines or, or watched in the, the movies, but you know sometimes we can maybe get the idea that the, the spear that pierced the Lord's sign was, you know, just some, you know, little common thing. They can say that's that's law. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a tall guy, and you know that's a, as long as my forearm to my finger. Our Lord and Savior, you know, hanging upon the cross in order to to make sure he was dead. This is what they put into his body.
And then he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, being a Christian is a hard thing. And being a Christian actually could result in a, a, a spirit like this being thrust into our bodies as we follow Christ, as we try to do what's right. And yet, the final part is it's worth it. Right? That's always been the teaching of the Holy Gospel. That yes, you will endure difficulties and yes, things will be hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it to know the Lord. It's worth it to have the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind. It's worth it to be able to go through your day, even though suffering. The song of Christ in your heart. It's worth it, yes, even to have conflicts within our own families. It's worth it, yes, even to have conflicts with the state. We do it right. If we're wanting to show forth Christ's love, if we're wanting to follow the Lord God's commands, if we're willing even to put our lives on the lines. It's worth it because Jesus loved you so much. As he hung upon the cross, he had you in his thoughts. He knew the times that you and I might fail in this earthly life. He knew that there might even be times we turned away from him. There, there might be years at a span that we weren't even walking with him. That we even walked his word. And yet, he loved us anyway. Knowing his death on the cross was coming, yet he sought it out. Knowing the spikes would be driven through his hands and his feet, yet he carried his cross upon the hill. And yes, even knowing a spear such as this would pierce his side, yet he loved us that much. Amen. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen. <laughs>